I am thankful for you. Paul wrote in his letter to the Thessalonians how grateful he was for the people in the church, for the people that he got to, uh, to be around, and that is my prayer of gratitude. We are in a, a series that ends today, but sort of doesn't. It's like so many of the movies we see today. It ends, but it doesn't really, because there's more. We did sort of a prequel called Behold Your God, uh, talking about the greatness of God. And we peeked into Isaiah and uh, uh, rooted around a little bit in chapter 6 and then chapter 40, today in chapter 12. And the whole idea was that for us to truly launch our Advent, for us to truly get a hold of what it is that He is doing in us and through us and to us and in spite of us, we, we kind of have to look at the greatness of God to understand why He is able to send His only Son, that whoever would embrace Him, whoever would follow Him, whoever would believe in Him, would not perish but have everlasting life. And so we looked at the glory of God from Isaiah chapter 6, and how in that chapter Isaiah the prophet uh, had an experience where he realized how sinful he was and how great God is, how God is God and he is not, and, and he just was, was broken over it. And God said, I've got this. And he, he touched a coal to his lips and he, he pronounced him forgiven. Nothing that Isaiah did, but everything that God did. Then last week we talked about the greatness of God from Isaiah 40, showed you a couple of pictures from the, the new web telescope that sort of geeked me out and just made me spend way too much time surfing those things. And we talked about the, the vastness of God and His, His creative power, how He measures the waters in the hollow of His hand, how He measures the heavens with a span. And the only response that Isaiah could come up with was gratitude. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is just the, the gratitude that is the only response. And, and for us to launch into the prophecies in Isaiah that tell us of the birth of the Christ child, then, then first we kind of got to get our minds the best we can around the greatness of God and our response to that. So let me tell you a story. <clears throat> At the Jackson House, every year, and I told some of you this story last year, or part of it, we grew up and got married. There's four kids in my family. I've got an older sister, a younger sister, a younger brother, and all of us grew up. All of us got married. All of us had kids of our own, and, and we didn't want to lose the, the, the time that we were having with my folks because they were both uh, aging and so forth, and so we decided to divide and conquer, and each one of us claimed Thanksgiving for the Jackson family and said the other holiday, the, the, the one in December, that's the one you can give to your spouse's family. And so we knew that we had to kind of cram it all in one, and so Thanksgiving became Thanksmas. And that means that we meet at somebody's house early in the morning, we do our Thanksgiving dinner, we all uh, make our plans, we, we assign table places and, and, and so forth, and, and we have our Thanksgiving dinner. And we sit around the table and we talk about what we're thankful for and so forth. Then we have dessert, 
then we declare a break and we decorate the house for Christmas. And then sometime uh, after a while, maybe in between halftime of a ball game or whatever, we have Christmas where we pass out gifts that we've arranged uh, through drawing names and so forth. And so Thanksmas is a special time for us, especially now that my mom and dad are both eating turkey in heaven. It's, uh, it's just a great memory for us. Maybe it was because we were all together. Maybe it was because we did focus on, and you know, you could see the, the generations in the house. My, my dad, my mom, and, and kids, and grandkids, and you could, you could just have the activity. Maybe it was because I didn't want in charge of anything. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I liked it so much, is that I, I really didn't have to do anything except sort of go with the flow. And maybe it was just because of this that special time around the table where we all had to kind of think about what we were thankful for. And as we ran around, I have to confess to you that there's one thing I don't ever remember saying. When it was my turn, I don't ever remember saying, I am profoundly grateful for the glory and the greatness of God who created all things, who sustains all things, who has a plan for all things, who redeemed all things, and one day will draw close to all things according to His purpose, His power, His glory. Mom, how about you? (laughs) I don't ever remember doing that, but maybe I should have. And so what I want to do today is to talk about Isaiah chapter 12, which is an odd kind of song that stuck in the early part of Isaiah's prophecy. As a matter of fact, it's the end of the first section in the first part of Isaiah. Now, a couple of things you ought to remember about Isaiah. He's a major prophet, which just means he wrote a lot. He's not more important than Amos or or Micah. He just was a little more verbose. And secondly, Isaiah's story throughout is sort of one that points out judgment, that throughout time man has not been able to consistently follow God in a way that honors him. And so there's, there's a consequence that comes with that. As a matter of fact, the first 11 chapters of Isaiah are about the consequences that came because Israel was once again not following God, not keeping commandments, not honoring Him in worship, so forth and so on. So, so there was judgment coming, and that's sort of the theme of the first part of Isaiah. And so when we get to chapter 11 in Isaiah, uh, we, we, we get the idea that God is doing something. The song we just sang, He's up to something. And He's up to something that we'll explore a little bit more next week when we talk about the, the, the early promises of Messiah, the early promises of the Christ child. But in chapter 12, it's sort of like He stops and says, I just need to sing a song. Like Robert, does this need to sing? Enough talking. Let's sing. Let's let's have a song. And so he writes this song that kind of has three parts. It's two verses, but it's uh, two two verses in the song, six verses in the in the whole chapter. But there's something you need to know before I dive into it. 
Number one, we ought to all thank God for salvation. We, we ought to all thank God that he, he cares enough to make a way for us to be right with Him. We, we kind of all admit that there's stuff in our life we're not proud of. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible says everyone has sinned and, and falls short of what God would have us to be. And so we all ought to thank God every day for the opportunity to be saved. We ought to thank God for the community that we get to have. And that's sort of what this psalm is about. It's an indiv- or this uh, chapter. It's an individual who talks and then, then a community that talks. The second thing about Isaiah that you ought to keep in mind is that Isaiah is against the backdrop of something called exile. Now, I don't want to go all biblical scholar on you, but you kind of got to get exile before you can get Isaiah, and you probably got to get Isaiah before you can get the Bible. So it's, it's kind of important. Exile in Isaiah talks about a time when the Babylonian army would come in and destroy Jerusalem and, and enslave the people of Jerusalem, first the leaders and then the common folk. And so it was about that. That's what, that's what consequence Isaiah is talking about. This is coming as a result of our behavior. But exile goes back farther than that. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eden were Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They were exiled because they couldn't keep the one thing that God told them to do. And then you go forward a little bit and, and, and Joseph and Abraham and Isaac and, and then Moses, all of them experienced some kind of exile where they were taken away from the things that were comfortable for them, taken away from their home, their, 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 their sweet spot. They were, they were taken away and forcefully made to do something they weren't planning to do as a result of their inability to honor God and, and sort of follow along with His plan. So far, so good. So if you look at the Bible, the whole book is exile after exile after exile after exile, and sort of the poster child for all the exiles is the one that Isaiah wants to tell us about. Now, it hasn't happened yet. He's still a a century before it would happen, but he was describing in detail that the Babylonian army would come And they would make things miserable by destroying the home, destroying comfort. Now, how big a deal is it? Well, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of the minor prophets... They all talk about this thing, and it's, it's kind of a big deal. And why would it be a big deal to us? Have you ever been made to leave something that was comfortable? You ever had a disruption in a relationship? It's, it's family. You, you ever had a holiday where you couldn't go home because you were fighting with the family? You ever had a, a job that didn't work out? You ever had a, a relationship that didn't work out? Ever have problems with your kids, problems with anxiety, problems with fear? And that, 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 that drives you away from comfort, drives you away from peace, drives you away from things that, that feel like they're clicking on all the cylinders? 
So when the Bible teaches us about exile and what God is doing with and through exile, He's kind of telling us, hey, I've got a plan for you too. I'm up to something. We didn't get together on that song, by the way. They just did it. He's up to something. And the really, really cool thing about this chapter in Scripture is that he's up to something and Isaiah decides to thank him for it even though it hasn't happened yet. It's like, okay, God, my job is miserable. My family's a wreck. I can't control my thoughts. My finances are in a dumpster. But I'm going to thank you because you're going to work all of this out. That is an act of faith. That, that, that's a gratitude that, that is based on God's glory and God's greatness and God's plan, not some plan we can strategize on our own. And so we thank Him for more than just turkey and trees. We thank Him because He has brought us to Himself. Now, I'm going to come back to this. So, thanksgiving that God's wrath is turned away. What? What? First part of the verse. Chapter 12, verse 1. You will say in that day. Now, if if I had a telestrator like the, the guys on TV, I'd circle in that day. Because it shows up twice in this passage. And it's sort of a signal that, that the writer is claiming something that's going to happen in the future. Whenever we see in that day, and we see it repeatedly in Isaiah, it's not going to happen right now, but it's going to happen either in the near future or the a little while future or the far distant future. In other words, the, the idea that God is going to judge, it was happening as Isaiah wrote. It would happen even worse in a hundred or so years. It would happen even worse, and, 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 and then at the very end, in that day, God is going to do something about it. So, so he's always talking about something in the future. And he says, in that day, you, and that's an individual, that's a, that's a singular pronoun, you, meaning you individually, you will say, in that day, when all of that stuff comes clear, God, you were angry with me. Wait, What? Why is he angry? Why is God mad at me? What did I ever do? I'm glad you asked that question. The Bible calls it sin. We we can't manage to keep the the, the instructions that he's given us. We can look at Adam and Eve and say, good grief, you had one job. You won one rule. One thing you couldn't do, and you did that. Well, if you and I had one rule, we'd break it. If you and I had one command, we wouldn't keep it. Because we're humans, and the Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us have have done things that should offend and do offend God. It's called sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so Isaiah was aware that we would all say, God, you were angry with me. If my sin is left unchecked, if my sin is left unforgiven, if I have to try to figure out what to deal with it on my own, I am a miserable mess. I cannot. I will be forever separated from you. The Scripture in Romans says the wages of sin is death. Eternal, spiritual separation from the Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer of the universe. 
And so we kind of get this idea, wait, okay, something's going on here. You were angry with me, and I'm going to claim that you've already forgiven me. Your anger was turned away, and now you comfort me. You are my salvation. That's very personal. That's very individual. Not our, not us, not y'all, but my. I realized I sinned. I fell short of the glory of God. I lusted. I grieved over uh, righteous injustice. I, I didn't do things that I was supposed to do. I was saved. I will trust. I will not be afraid because God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. If that sounds familiar, it's also in Exodus 15. It's also in Psalm 118. The, the same phrase, uh, God is my light. He's my salvation. He's my strength. He's my song. And so we, we get that he ties it all up. Even though all this nasty stuff is coming, God, you're going to see me through. You're going to forgive even me. That's the experience that Isaiah had in chapter 6. So then he kind of gets busy. He says, we got a story to tell. If you look again at the Scripture, he says, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back. You were angry with me, and your wrath is real, but now your anger has been turned away, and you're comforting me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. I realize, God, it's about your character. Lord God, it's, it's your, uh, your deal. It's my strength, my song. You have become my salvation, and I realize I was saved out of something for something. I'm supposed to do something with this amazing realization, and what I'm going to do is sing about it. It says, with joy, let me get the Scripture up there, with joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, remember in the Middle East, water is a big deal. We just had a team that came back from Liberia, And they spent a whole lot of money and two weeks making sure that one village in Bansu, Liberia, would have enough water in a field to irrigate an acre in order that an entire village can eat. Water was the the trick. They had the field. They had the people. They had everything. They didn't have a way to get water. And, and, and I think our team took about a mile and a half of irrigation uh, tape to where they could, they could lay it all out in this acre and make sure that water got where water needed to be. Water is a big deal. But many wells you will say in that day, there it is again. So give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. This is what you will say in the future, in that day. Because it's already happened. If God said it, it's already written. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Proclaim that His name is exalted. So he says, we get it. Salvation, uh, God's forgiveness, God's redemption. For Isaiah, it was a coal touched to his lips. For us, it's like water. It's like the most parched day you can ever imagine and that cool drink you finally get to. And there are many wells of this. There's, there's plenty for everybody who would come to it. 
He doesn't force us to drink it. But he says, we give thanks, we call upon, and now we're going to make his deeds known among the people. Don't you love it at Thanksgiving when you start telling the stories? You know, these random stories, and all of a sudden one of the children starts into something, and you're going, okay, didn't see that coming. <laughs> and then an adult will, and then the weird uncle tells that story that leaves everybody scratching. But you tell stories. And, and, and we, we want to tell of the things. I got a promotion at work. I graduated from high school. I, I got the participation trophy. I, I, I got, I awarded, I did. And we want to tell about the good things that have happened to us. Isaiah wrote, hey, when the God of the universe, the God who flung the stars into space, the God who formed us out of the dust of the ground, when He says to me, you are forgiven. I was angry with you, but you have turned to me. You have asked me for forgiveness. I will now come for you. When the God of the universe does that, I've got to proclaim that His name is exalted. And it gets better. I've got to sing. I've got to, to tell, sing praises to the Lord. Shout. So we've got proclaim, sing, shout. We, we've got to tell our stories because of God's presence. He is with us. Now, I want to walk back through the Scripture for a minute. First couple of verses, you will say, in that day, I will give thanks to the Lord. There, you're my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You, we, I will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, proclaim that His name is exalted. And I really want you to get these last two verses. We sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The Isaiah here is, is thanking God in spite of the fact that his circumstances are bad and they're going to get worse. He's been told to preach to people, and oh, by the way, they're not going to listen to you, but just keep preaching. You know how that feels. So he, he, says, he, he says, here's the, the, the thing. You, you need to consider this already done. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let it be made known unto all the earth. Shout, sing, O inhabitant of Zion. And then these last two lines just blow me away. If there's a word in Isaiah that sums up all of Isaiah, you, you, you get it, the backdrop, right? Judgment, forgiveness, God. If there's a word that sums it all up, we're going to study it a little bit when we get to Isaiah chapter 7. And that word is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And Isaiah comes to the end of his little song, his little six-verse song. Probably has two stanzas in that day as sort of the marker that says another stanza. But he gets to the end of it, and he's overcome. He says, we've got to shout. We've got to sing. We, we live in Zion, but it's such a temporary place. 
For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That, is, that, that should send you home to the Thanksgiving table with an amazing amount of gratitude. He is the Holy One of Israel. He flung the stars into space. He created all the stuff the Webb telescope can see. We don't even get that He created it X number of time ago, and by the time we can see the light that's, that's emitted from all that stuff, it's, I don't know. He did all that. The mighty one of Israel. He, he, he understands the cosmos. He understands the, the subatomic particles that come together to make a baby. He, un, he, he weighs the mountains, the miracle of birth. That mighty one, the one who could rightfully be angry with us because of our sin, and yet he forgives us, yet he makes a way for us. That mighty one of Israel. Not our co-pilot, not our buddy, not our homeboy, not our bestie. He, he is God Almighty. His glory, His greatness is bigger than we can fathom. And yet, where does it describe that He is? In our midst. God with us. Emmanuel. He could be busy making all these other planets. He could be busy solving all these problems. He could be busy doing all this stuff. We pray that He'll heal somebody, and, and yet He's able to go and pay attention to that and still be in our midst. If that doesn't blow you away with gratitude, it should. Because even though I'm a sinner... Romans 5.8, He demonstrates His love for me, for you. Watching online, for you. He demonstrates His love in that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. The rest of the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The very next verse says, For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through Him might be saved that we could drink out of the well of salvation. It is an amazing thing that God did, and we're going to investigate that plan over the next seven, five, eight weeks, whatever we're doing. And we're going to look at how He prophesied eight centuries before Christ everything that would happen with Jesus. But first, let's grasp how big He is, how great He is, how glorious He is. And how He chooses in all of that to walk in our midst. The Holy One of Israel is with us. With me. With you. And that seems like a reason for gratitude. Would you pray with me? God, there might be somebody in this room who realizes for the first time I need you. And maybe they would say, God, I need you. I, I need to have your anger turned away from me. And, and I am a sinner, but I come to you and I ask, Lord, that you would forgive my sin, that you would come into my life, that you would allow me to be your disciple, to walk with you. If that's your prayer today, would you make that known to somebody? We have a greeter station in the back. We have pastors. I'll hang around. I'd love to hear you say, I'm ready to start a conversation to drink from the well of salvation.
maybe as you go from here and go to family gatherings, you would sing, you would shout, you would proclaim, you would testify as to the greatness of God in your life and that He has forgiven you and can forgive anyone who comes to Him. Maybe that's our Thanksgiving assignment. But what I know we can't do is just go, good talk. He just doesn't leave us that option. So, Father, gather your children to yourself. Gather the ones who are investigating what it would be to know you and let them claim you as their Savior even today. For the rest of us, Father, forgive us for being so casual about all the things that you are. The person you are, the the God that you are. Forgive us for being casual about that. And allow us to know of your greatness in song, in conversation, and our willingness to tell the story. Thank you that you have forgiven us already and that you will deliver us from our exile of anxiety, of brokenness, of fear, of pain, and you will let us sing of the joy that the Holy One of Israel is in our midst. And for that, we truly thank you in Jesus' name.